Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip. Live from Liverpool. So here we are then. It is time for the grand final preview of Eurovision 2023 here on the Eurotrip podcast. And the reason it's time for our grand final preview episode, James, is because the grand final is here. It's finally here after days and weeks and months and almost a year of waiting. Uh, We've got another grand final coming our way tonight and we've got a jam-packed episode for you. We should introduce ourselves, although I'm not sure we need to because hopefully you've been with us for the course of the week. Hello, I am Rob. That was James and Callum. You're also with us for the course of the week. The excitement is palpable. It is palpable. It's been a very busy week, a very tiring week, a very fun week. And it is jam-packed, this episode. It is bumper. I, I can't think of any other words. It is absolutely enormous. We've got Eurovision winners on the episode. We've got participants. We've got journalists previewing the grand final. It is massive. James, take us through. Who is joining us on today's episode of the Eurotrip? Yeah, we've got plenty of guests to bring you today. We're going to be chatting to Kalash Orchestra, who won last year's contest. They're going to be opening the grand final tonight. We've also got somebody who is going to be in the flag parade. That is Tina Carroll. We've got somebody who is in one of the interval acts. That's going to be Eurovision winner, Netta. And then, that's before we've got to one of the men key to tonight's show, the show you're going to watch this evening. That is Andrew Cartmel, the executive producer of Eurovision 2023. And then, Callum, we're chatting to plenty of the contenders this evening as well, or at least chatting about them. Yeah, absolutely. Two of the big contenders, Sweden and Finland. Many people saying they're going head to head for Eurovision glory tonight. We're going to be speaking to Lazara from France. Stick around for that one. And... I don't want you to think that we haven't forgotten the big news. We've not mentioned it yet. Luxembourg are back. They are indeed. Out of nowhere, on Friday afternoon, it was announced that Luxembourg are returning to the contest after more than 30 years away. So we're going to be chatting to Eurovision Reference Group member Sita Baka uh, all about where that 
decision came from. So, we should probably get to it, because I think this is going to be a chunky one. We've got all that and more still to come. Yes, Rob, I thought before we get into everything else we've got coming, I thought I'd get a quick chat with Bet Eurovision, ESC Inside, the local Sweden as well. Just call me Ben, come on. <laughs> ben Robertson, great to have you on the pod, our grand final preview. I wanted to chat about the running order because we got that early hours of Friday morning. What are the big headlines? You know what? I looked at it first and I don't think there's so much drama in this running order. We obviously have the first half and second half drawn anyway, and it feels very much to Eurovision form. Um, we're not putting the big favourites on early. We are leaving the drum, and there's a top two right now that we're all talking about in the win market, and it is Sweden and Finland, and I pretty much expected 9 and 13 when I saw they were both in the first half. Uh, Finland is number 13. It's later. It is the number most anticipated no, as a visual spectacle. So no surprise there. A little surprise that song 10 from Albania, 11 from Italy and 12 from Estonia is all very slow, all very gentle. Sweden being nine is also so much sense. If you look very carefully, of course, we know about Lorene's prop. We discussed that for how many months now? It is a lot of time to set up. So there is a break after song eight, which is Spain, which... I think it's a fantastic place for Spain. Spain's got to do well. It has to be next to Lorene. It has to conquer Queen Lorene to do well. And we're starting with Austria as well. A good crowd please at the beginning? I think so, yes. It's perhaps a bit quirky, but you know, people expect quirk from Eurovision, especially in the UK. So if you are having what we expect, 15 million viewers in BBC One maybe to come in to watch. They have a preconception of what Eurovision is. That's why they're tuning in and they will get it when Austria performs. So it does the job. And we already knew that we we're going to end with the United Kingdom uh, because it was randomly drawn. But before them, we've got Croatia. Bit of a bit of a flip-flop at the end there. You do. I actually think, like, for brand Eurovision, let's say, you've got Noah Kural, you've got Joker Out, and you've got Let's Free, who all three in different ways are huge musical names. They've been given great slots at the end of the run, you know later's better. They've been given great slots, there's going to be a fiery atmosphere in there, it's going to be absolutely mental. <laughs> you do not want to miss what Let Free do on that stage, because they're the kind of, somebody said something, in, went to the rehearsal just now, and somebody said, they might do something for the final. The provocative, the controversial, the satirical, we might get something from that three. Ben, can I finish with one question? Shall I ask who the favourite is? Shall I ask who your money's on? Choose one of those questions to answer. We'll keep it simple for now. It should be Sweden. It should be Sweden quite comfortably. I wouldn't even be surprised if we take Jury and Televote. Wow, you've heard it here first. Ben, thanks for chatting and enjoy the show on Saturday night. Thank you very much. You're listening to The Euro Trip, live from Liverpool. And from Ben Robertson there with James, I've decided to move outside because I think it's only right that we get a little bit of fresh air before things get very exciting later on. We, of course, have got so much coming on the way on today's episode. We've already told you what's coming up. We've got some of the big contenders who could take home the Eurovision trophy tonight. But first, the show this evening will be opened by last year's Eurovision winners. Of course, I'm talking about Kalish Orchestra from Ukraine. They will be giving a very emotive performance, but they will also be opening the show in style. 
had things been very different, we of course would probably have been in Ukraine this year. Right now, I'd be speaking to you from Ukraine as we build up to the grand final. Of course, that isn't possible, but it's brilliant that Kalish Orchestra are joining us here to get the party started on Saturday night. So I was lucky enough to sit down with them, have a conversation about what things have been like for them here in Liverpool, but also how their lives have changed over the last 12 months. So here's what happened when I caught up with Tim from Kalish Orchestra a little bit earlier on. Kalish Orchestra, welcome to the Eurotrip. How does it feel here on the eve of the grand final, a contest that you would have hoped would be held in Ukraine? Here we are in the United Kingdom, but Ukraine has been fully reflected in the live shows this year. How pleased does that make you to see Ukrainian culture celebrated as it should be this year? So we've been here for a couple of days now and we, when we were walking around Liverpool we saw loads of Ukrainian just like attributes and we thank the UK we thank the UK for taking this so responsibly and um, we're also very glad that there's loads of Ukrainian artists with whom we're able to perform on the same stage. You mentioned the, the Ukrainian artists who have been involved. So many of them I'm sure that you know as well as, as part of the Ukrainian music scene. How nice has it been for you to be able to perform and see them performing alongside you as well, to see them on the stage, on the stage that you, of course, took the Eurovision victory last year? Well, actually, it's just very cool to be with them. Like, you know, they're very cool artists, and so we're just very happy to be with them. We are one year on from you winning the Eurovision Song Contest. How have your lives changed since winning last year in Turin? Yeah, so, I mean, after winning the Eurovision, we went back home for a week and two just to stay with our relatives. Then we went on a big tour where we managed to raise 60 million hryvnias. And now we're also planning another tour where there's going to be completely different costumes, completely different props, and we're also putting in more English songs, English language songs. You mentioned the tour that you have been on. You've been performing all over Europe and further afield since winning Eurovision. And you've been raising money, as you've mentioned, for the war effort in Ukraine. The situation still remains incredibly serious. So how pleased are you that you, as a band, have been able to play your part in, in the effort back home. Um, yes, so we're looking like for all the means of trying, well, we're very happy because we're managed to, we're trying, we're also like helping to accelerate the victory by raising the money. And we think that like everyone inside and even outside the country is trying to help and we're just very thankful for that. You are back on the Eurovision stage in the grand final. People watching at home, people watching here in Liverpool will be so pleased to see you back there. What can people expect from your performance in the grand final? So we promise that there will be a surprise during the performance, but the performance itself will be very cool, it will be very vibrant, uh, and we think it's better to watch it once than hear about it a hundred times. Well, that is very, very exciting. Last question from me. When Ukraine succeed, do you hope that Ukraine will be able to host the Eurovision Song Contest once again? Um, yes, we believe in this. Kalush Orchestra, thank you for joining us. Thank you.
So from the opening act, we are now going to move to the Flag Parade. Now, this is a relatively recent addition to the Eurovision Song Contest. We first got this in Stockholm in 2016, and it's going to look and sound pretty special this year because it is Ukrainian artists interwoven with the British music scene as well, Carl. Yeah, it is. And one of those Ukrainian performers we're going to be seeing and hearing in the grand final flag parade is Tina Carroll. She represented Ukraine at the Eurovision Song Contest back in 2006. And she's returning to the stage 17 years later, which we shared a little joke about, about how long it has been. But she's going to be joined on the stage by Virga Sadutska and 2021 representatives from Ukraine, Go A. And this is a part of my chat with Tina a little earlier on this week. Tina Carroll, welcome to the Eurotrip. Hi, I'm so happy that you're having me. It has been... 17 years since you represented Ukraine at the Eurovision Song Contest. Why you tell that to the people? Why you tell that? This is my secret. Ah, come on. Shall I say, it's been a few years since you represented Ukraine. Does that sound better? Uh, it sounds uh, better, but does, I'm, I'm, I'm not care about. But actually, after that, 17 years ago, you performed on a Eurovision. I have to say... Oh, yes, I was performing. <laughs> like older someone. <laughs> Did you ever think you would ever be back performing on the Eurovision stage? No, I never think about that and never focused on that. So when I have the proposition to perform this year, I was so surprised. Uh, actually, the song what I performed on the stage, that song was writing like 70 years ago, so times go, and the songs sometimes, we can say, um, very old, yeah? Uh, for me, I ask at first, can I change the song? And they say, no, please, can you perform with the song when you perform on Eurovision, that same song? And now we make the remix, and the same song will be in a different version on a stage 2023. Now, on Saturday night, you'll be joined on that Eurovision stage by other Ukrainian artists. Verga Sadutska is going to be there, last year's winners, Kalush Orchestra, Goe as well. How does it feel to be included among the Ukrainian Eurovision greats? This is a huge opportunity. I'm so grateful that... Um, Liverpool, Eurovision give us a chance to perform on a stage. Uh, show how beautiful Ukrainian culture, different stylists, and how we are, um, how we are professional, yeah? And uh, this is the friendship, this is a family. I feel that this is a part of our resistance, how we defend their, th through the music and art, how we defend their DNA. Now, you performed at uh, Euroclub last night and you're often involved in Vidbia, the Ukrainian national selection for Eurovision as well. What is it about Eurovision events that always makes you say yes? Why do you always want to be involved in, in Eurovision events? What is it about it? Uh, uh, it's about the um, uh, friendship. It's about to see new people, new stories, new, new feelings. This is all about love all about pleasure and and good vibe yeah good vibe all only good vibe everybody excited and try to bring a beauty in this 
country in this world. <laughs> and I have to ask about Kalush Orchestra as well. They won Eurovision last year by a very long way. They had so many points. We've spoken to a lot of Ukrainian artists and we understand how much it means to them to have the support of Europe, the whole continent. What does it mean to you to, to have seen them win last year and seen just how much support all of the countries across Europe had for your country? This is make me cry. This is so touchful. I'm so thankful about that. And this is lifting morale for the troops on the front line. This is a lifting morale for the volunteers, lifting morale for the whole nation. Be brave that they feel that support. This is we're not alone. We're not alone. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. And we will prove to you that we are bravest and we are hard worker and we're waiting for you in our country when the war will finish. We can't wait to be there. Thank you very much and have fun on Saturday night. Thank you so much. I'll be in red. I will waiting for you. <laughs> You're listening to The Euro Trip live from Liverpool. When you aren't listening, find us on social media at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. This is indeed the Eurotrip Podcast and our big grand final preview of 2023. Should say, by the way, we've got a big shout out that we need to do before the end of today's episode. So, one listener out there, you may have got in touch with us previously. There's a shout out we need to do for your Eurovision party. We will be doing it between now and the end of today's episode. We've moved just outside the press centre. Things are getting very, very busy. Should say, just to give you a little bit of perspective, at the very start of the week when we were here on Monday and Tuesday, things were a little bit quieter. But now, today, things are getting very, very busy indeed. And one man will be busier, arguably, than all of the people in there, though. Yes, that man is Andrew Cartmill. He is the executive producer of this year's contest working for the BBC you might remember we caught up with him uh, in an exclusive chat just before Christmas last year well a little bit earlier this week on the turquoise carpet he spotted me actually I didn't spot him he spotted me this is very big headed of you there. <laughs> it sounds it it sounds it I don't mean it to and he came running down the carpet running he didn't come running <laughs> he came jogging he leapt down the carpet if anything he'll have walked at a fairly rapid pace <laughs> that's the most they'll have done so andrew anyway he popped along the carpet uh, to come and have a chat and i thought you know what i'm going to press record on the microphone and get a little bit of the chat so here is what happened when i caught up with andrew cartmel a little bit early this week Andrew Cartmel is now with us, executive producer of Eurovision 2023. Is that rule, that job title, sunk in yet? I don't think it will ever sink in, actually. Um, I think I said to you before, it's such an honour to be doing this. The best TV show on earth. So to be in that role is an absolute dream come true. I don't think it will ever sink in. <laughs> Can you give us an idea about what your life has been like, what the job has been like since December? Because that's when we last caught up yeah. with you, just before Christmas. Correct. Just how much of a whirlwind has it been? Um, wow, where do I start? Um, well, I think it's been an incredible five months, I guess, since I spoke to you. Um, getting everything ready to come to Liverpool has been the big job. Um, I think once here, we sort of were like, OK, we know what we've got now. We know our hosts. We know all our interval acts. We know all the acts. We know all their staging plans. So the last two weeks have just been about making it happen, really. Uh, I mean, we've had 
well, we've been doing rehearsals now for two and a half weeks, so today's the first day off. This is the first day we've seen light <laughs> outside of Liverpool Arena. So and the sun nice. is shining as well. I know, it's always shining, shining here, isn't it, apparently? Um, no, it's been lovely. And do you know what's been really lovely today? I sort of took a couple of hours just to walk around the city and just to see how the city of Liverpool has embraced this. It's incredible. Like The branding's everywhere. Eurovision Village is huge. There were huge queues to get into the village this morning, and I was like... This is, this is quite something, and it, I think it sort of shows why Liverpool was the right city to host Eurovision this year. They've really embraced the event with gusto. And how personally proud are you of the full event coming together? Because, you know, you're a lifelong Eurovision Fine. fan, you've, yeah. you've worked on many contests for the BBC, but as the host broadcaster, seeing it all come together is one of the leading men who's organising it and putting it together. Just how personally proud are you? Hugely. I can't, I can't lie. It's a, it's a huge honour to be doing this, and um, I think... It's, it's, like you, it's like from first going in 2002 as a journalist, like yourselves being on, their sort of, on, on the press carpets and sort of interviewing the artists to being in this position now is an absolute dream come true. It's, I, yeah, you're right. I can't, I, you're, just, you're just going day by day at the moment, just making the shows, making sure the shows work, making sure we give the fans in particular um, the best three shows we can and um, and making sure you know we do Ukraine proud because it is it, you know they won it last year so it's really important we we do it for Ukraine and Andrew can you pinpoint one thing that you're most looking forward to across the three live shows I think I'm hoping at some point it won't be during one of the live shows I'm hoping at one point during one of the rehearsals to get an opportunity to leave the OB van and to go into the arena if only for a couple of minutes um, just to soak up the atmosphere um, it'll be the first time I've not been in the arena while the shows are going on and I'm I'm hoping to do it during the Liverpool songbook I think that's going to be a really special moment in the live shows um, I think what what's wonderful about it is it brings everything together. It brings Liverpool together, the, the, you know, the music of this city. It brings together some recent Eurovision icons with incredible staging that the guys have put together. And also within it, there's a moment which brings Ukraine into it. And I think in that 10 or 11 minutes of the Liverpool Songbook, that will be everything. And I think I will feel probably quite emotional when I see and hear that. I think, it, and because it's in the grand final, it will feel like we've, that will be for me the moment I'm really looking forward to. Andrew, again, very busy. I know you are. I'm going to let you go. Enjoy the rest of the day. Enjoy the rest of the week and enjoy the next lie-in you ever get, whenever that will be. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, guys. And thanks for being so supportive all the time as well. We really appreciate it. So into the heart of the press centre then. And it seems like this is the perfect place to talk about the big news story of the week. Well, it's not the big news story of the week because there's been lots of big news stories this week. Callum, firstly this week, of course, we had the news that we'd have a new semi-final presentation or presentation of the qualifiers, at least. That was something that we managed to talk to Martin Osterdahl about on the podcast earlier on this week. Uh, but the, you said it's not the biggest one. Let's say it's the newest biggest story. Of the the week. most recent big story of the week. Yeah, that, that sounds a bit better. Uh, that Luxembourg, of all countries, are returning to the contest for the first time in more than three decades. And we were rushing around earlier on today finding anybody from Luxembourg to speak to. We didn't manage to find anybody from Luxembourg, but we've managed to find somebody equally as important from the Eurovision Reference Group. Yeah, not far across the border, as you will hear in just a second. As Callum said, this person is a member of the Eurovision Reference Group and a former executive producer of the Eurovision Song Contest. So, let's get their thoughts on Luxembourg's return to Eurovision. Hello, Seats Abaka, welcome back. Good to be with you. 
Sitsa, what were your thoughts when you saw that Luxembourg were back? Well, actually, you probably knew already, right? Yeah, it's been in the making for, uh, for quite a, a long time. I think over the last years there have been a few conversations, but it never really materialized. And then I think summer last year, things really started to, to get in a good pace. And uh, it's good to make that announcement now when you know everyone's watching, everyone's following Eurovision and to announce a, a renowned member of the family returning to the song contest is good news. Well, you mentioned it there, Luxembourg are a huge part of Eurovision history. What, was, what is it about right now that has made 2024 the right time for them to return? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's good to have them back. I think, I think we live in quite extraordinary times with uh, you know, the war in Ukraine, uh, Russian Belarus being expelled from the contest. Turkey haven't been with us for uh, for almost a decade now, and I think it's good to see members of the family return and regain their confidence, their excitement. I think Eurovision is is probably in the best place it's ever been, and to see Luxembourg being confident enough to return is um, is good for the brand. As a member of the reference group, how often do these conversations take place? And what are these conversations like with previous members of, of Eurovision who maybe haven't been part of the family for a while? Sometimes these conversations happen between members of the reference group and individual broadcasters in other EBU networks, for example. Um, usually it's between the EBU and, and of course, its members uh, to explore a return to, to the contest. Um, well, in case of Luxembourg, I mean, they've been with the song contest for such a long time. They have a great track record. And somehow at some point they, they fell off the train. And, uh, and, and it's good to have them back after such a long time. Probably you know better than I do how long they haven't been part of the family. But uh, I'm really curious to see what they will come up with next year. Because obviously coming back, you, you want to make a good first impression. See, so it's always brilliant to chat. Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. When you aren't listening, find us on social media. Add Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Great to get the thoughts there from Sita Backer on Luxembourg's return. We'll be seeing them back at Eurovision in 2024. Uh, interesting there from one exec producer to another from Cartmel to Backer. Yeah, that's what we like to do here on the Eurotrip, from exec producer, as you said, to exec producer, bringing you the big guests here on the Eurotrip podcast every single week and every single day. Mm. 
as has been the case over the last few days here in Liverpool. Sorry if I sound a little bit more relaxed. We are reclining in one of the Booking.com booths that are positioned outside the press centre. And we are currently inside Conchita's holiday home. Should say, though, that one of the artists that we'll be seeing in the grand final appears to have left something in here. Yeah, is that Luke Black's jacket? That's quite hard to say, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, apparently that is Luke Black's jacket. Callum, can you double check just to make sure? It, is it like school? Has he got his name stitched into the collar? Not quite, but it smells really nice. Not to, I'll tell you that. And Luke Black is the sort of man who looks like he smells expensive. So, from Luke Black's odour? Scent? <laughs> Scent is probably a nicer word. Uh, shall we talk about the contenders for Eurovision? 2023. Yeah, we really should. Two of the big contenders are Sweden and Finland. We know that, you know that, I think everyone is across that uh, throughout this week. But potentially one of the outsiders is France. Potentially someone who we believe could do very well, especially in that initial jury vote this evening. Yes, so France this year are represented by Lazara. Now, she is a solo singer. She was internally selected. She didn't have to go through a national selection program like France have been doing recently. And she has been slowly but surely creeping up the odds. She's been becoming a bit of a bit of an outside shot at taking home the Eurovision crown this week. Uh, interesting as well. She is representing France, but she's actually from Canada. And Rob, who else from the Eurovision family came from Canada 35 years ago and managed to win the crown. You're talking about Celine Dion? Switzerland, eh? Indeed I am, yeah. So maybe the stars are aligning. Yes, we're talking about Lazara here. I managed to catch up with her in her hotel a little bit early this week. And this is what happened when we caught up. Lazara, welcome to the Eurotrip. It's great to have you here. Now, we caught up very, very briefly on the turquoise carpet. I got to ask you one question, which was, what are you hiding in your rehearsal clip? Because we only saw 30 seconds. And at the time you said, well, you know, I want to keep something a surprise. We've now seen the full performance. And what a performance it is. Talk me through your emotions when you get to be on that stage. It's quite, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually it's really crazy. And uh, I got a chance to, to perform with the public and they were just amazing. <laughs> they, they were screaming, they were singing with me. Uh, the energy was so powerful and I was extremely stressed, but I felt like they lifted me up. I was in the arena on Monday night with, you know, thousands of other fans. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned it there, that, that atmosphere that yeah. builds when the audience is in there. Is that sort of a, a moment where it all started to feel a bit more real because you got to do the performance in an arena full of fans instead of last week when it was pretty much just empty? But I feel like it's better because me, I always look forward to meet them, you know. When you feel that people are there to share love, there's nothing like that, so so the stress go down, and like I was saying, they really helped me to just to the stress to go down and to be able to perform for them because that was that I shared with them. Can you take us back to the moment when you first got asked to represent France <laughs> at Eurovision? Can you remember the moment? Yeah, but they asked me a few times. 
<laughs> but uh, I was not ready. I was just starting a career. My career is very young. It's three years. And I didn't know nothing about music. And I was working on my first album. And with that album, you know, I, I was able to understand more, to get more maturity, maturity as an artist. And to be, um, I did a little bit of promo shows with the radio for two years. So I met some crowd that didn't know who I was, who was just sitting, sitting there and looking at me. So... It's it's a really a good thing to for an artist when they start. So now today when they asked me last summer, I was like, okay, yeah, I think I'm not. I think, but I am ready. I wasn't really like familiar with the whole Eurovision. I knew, but now that I'm in, it's another <laughs> another universe. <laughs> but it's all about love, so that's that's fine. So was it sort of a, a, a gradual realization about what Eurovision was all about? You said yes, and then you start to see how crazy the fans can be and all that sort of thing, and you really begin to understand what it's all about. Yeah, because they are really they are so invested, and they, most of the time they know what they are talking about when they talk about music. They they know. So me, I take it has um, an extra. Um, you know, like I listen what to what they say, like, and I take it and I and into consideration, and I try to make the the change necessary to um you know to to improve my my stage. Are you feeling any pressure at the moment, or have you felt any pressure during this journey at all? Because we know how much of a a rich history France has at yeah. the contest. Do you feel any of that pressure? Yeah, I feel a lot of pressure at the beginning when I was creating the song. Like you know, I went back to Morocco to I got there with one of my. Uh, a singer-songwriter, Duny Adam, and then we wrote Evidemment. And everybody was so invested, so, so everybody wanted to make, like, you know, be part of it. But as an artist, it's very important to let us and our world to create, to trust, you know, the process. And sometimes it's difficult to 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 explain that to, to some, some people. But at the end, I think we all did a great job. And now today that I'm here in Liverpool and, and that I saw the stage, that I, that I saw how it's working, obviously it's, it's a lot of pressure. You have a lot of good artists and, you know, people really want you to win. And I just fear that if I don't, like, you know, sometimes they can be really, really harsh. But I, I have so much work back, back home after all of this that I, you know, I'm just going to get my, my, my mind into my work and prepare my touring and my second album. Is that something you have to try and block out some of the time when you're obviously getting loads of positive reaction online, yes. but there's sometimes some negative reaction yes. as well, and you just want to try and block it all out and just focus on everything you're doing on stage? I'm, I'm a human, and, and I would be lying saying that I don't look and write and read everything I concentrate on the good because there's there's so many you know more than like the, that two percent of, of people who just hate but sometimes you know me with hate I try to answer with uh, you know a little bit little bit of autoderision with some funny stuff to let them know that they are stupid and uh, that's it I just have fun with it now we're just a few days away from the grand final of course you've already got a spot in the final because of france have been part yes. of the big five you are already one of the favorites though up there with the likes of sweden and finland is that an extra bit of pressure for you as well knowing that with a lot of fans and, and maybe with some of the juries as well you you kind of know that they're, they're already going to like the song already well, yes and no. You know me, the way I work and the way I am in my life, even though if sometimes you not know, the way I dress is a little bit extravagant, but it's, it's to entertain people too and, and to express myself. But usually I'm, I love to work 
on the water and at the right moment I get pop <laughs> and uh, yeah it, right now like a lot of at uh, attention is towards me it's okay I, but I try to concentrate on the good one because on, on the real stuff because you can get carried away and you think oh it's in in my pocket I don't need to work anymore and it's not about that for me it's a little bit scary that they think I'm on the top three and what's your build-up and preparation like uh, on Saturday so you're gonna wake up and what's your day gonna look like before the big show on the night time it's gonna be crazy like I you know when we did the semi-final I think it was kind of the same thing but I need to find time to isolate myself, but it's hard because there's backstage a lot of people and uh, I'm the kind of person that I really, really need to isolate myself before I go on, uh, you know, on the stage. And even when people come to you with good vibes and good attention, they want to talk to you, you're just like, <laughs> I'm so stressed inside of me. You're talking to me, but it's just, uh, I hear my own voice. <laughs> so yeah, I just need to isolate myself. Well, Lazara, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to wish you the very best of luck for Saturday night. And thank you so much for joining thank us for so a chat. Much. Thank you. Thank you so much. If there's anything I know about James, he loves a French entry at the Eurovision Song Contest. The more French, the better, as far as that man is concerned. He's chuckling away next to me. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, do you not? It's all right. <laughs> for me, it seems like she stood on a bit of a, you know, one of those traffic batons that they stick up to, 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 to symbolise a pedestrianised zone. A bollard. A bollard, that's exactly. <laughs> it's a glittery bollard that Lazar is on. I'm sure it probably cost a bit more than that, though. <laughs> Shall we talk about the favourite to win the Eurovision Song Contest 2023? There's only one woman we can be talking about. It's Loreen. And I know you guys caught up with her down on the turquoise carpet earlier on this week. So let's have a listen back to what she had to say to you earlier on before the madness really started here in Liverpool. Queen Loreen, Eurovision winner, 11 years since victory. Did you ever think you would be back here again? I get goosebumps, no way, can you imagine? I mean, I was wishing it, dreaming about it, like what if, but you know, at some point I'm like, it's never gonna happen. But then life just, you know, sends me this beautiful song and they pop the question, like, do you want to? I'm like. Oh, is this really happening? And now I'm here, so you never know what you're gonna get. Isn't that beautiful? It's amazing. Like, you know, you can't control anything. You just follow the flow. Wherever it's nice vibes, I'm there, baby. Lorene, I'm there. very best of luck for the competition this week. Oh, thank you, honey. You guys are so beautiful. Like, thank you so much. Uh, very best of luck. Yeah. So, Lorene there, catching up with us on the turquoise carpet at the opening ceremony. What feels like a lifetime ago. That was earlier on this week. But now, Callum, to talk all things Sweden ahead of the grand final, who have you got? We've got friends of the podcast, Toby and Stina from Aftonbladet. We'll start with Toby, who is giving himself a big cheer and a round of applause. <laughs> We're going to start with him just to get him out of the way because he's probably going to talk for a very long time. Isn't it better to start with Stina so that she can get any word in? Well, you already started now, so it's too late. Stina's right. Lorene, she has had uh, her first dress rehearsal for the grand final earlier on today. Can Sweden do the job on Saturday night? Singing-wise, it went well. BBC-wise, we're quite upset uh, because there are, there are several camera angles that are not there yet. There were a few, there were at least two shots that showed the, uh, like the top of the ceiling with the strings and stuff. And there's a money shot uh, when the ceiling is rising and Lorian is, is standing up and there's supposed to be all the signs uh, um, and the symbols uh, showing under in the ceiling. 
uh, you don't see anything of that ceiling. It was that shot was also missing uh, Tuesday, and I know that SVT has been bugging the BBC to get that right. They still haven't. But her voice was absolutely amazing. Her intensity in the performance. Uh, yes, Sweden can absolutely. Uh, have the seventh win uh, Saturday night. Lorian can be the first female uh, artist to win twice in the Eurovision Song Contest. That was more concise than I thought it was going to be. So congratulations for that, Toby. <laughs> Stina, let me ask you pretty much the same question. Are you as confident as Toby is that Sweden are going to get the record this weekend? That was not what I said. <laughs> well, Toby, it's my turn now. Okay, can I speak? For once. No, I was actually surprised that you said that her voice was great because I thought it was a little bit... I think she's holding back a little bit, maybe. It wasn't as good as, as it has been before. Uh, there's still some stuff they need to work on, and I'm also super scared of Finland. I have said since the beginning, I think, that Finland is going to win this. So I'm not at all that confident uh, that Sweden is going to take this. And I am not confident. I really wish and I hope and I think that she can do it. But Finland is the big contender. And uh, uh, he carries amazing. He had a perfect dress rehearsal. I think that was his best uh, throughout. But, but I also want to say, yeah, I also want to say just because like Lorian's voice today at the rehearsal was not the best. But I do think that she's going to be amazing tonight. Enough about Lorene for now, because we've got another Swedish interest in the grand final. We've got Cornelia Jacobs performing as part of the Interval Act. Can you tell us what we can expect from Cornelia in the grand final? Water. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, she's doing uh, Mel C's uh, song, I Turn To You, I think it's called. Uh, And I just talked to her and she said that she loves that song. And she was so happy when she she found out that that was the song she was going to sing. She's amazing as always. I think that her European fans are going to get exactly what they think they're going to get and what they want from her. And Toby, we'll give the last word to you because I'm sure there's something else you want to say. There's no, no, no... This is a world first, isn't it? Toby has nothing else to say, right? <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> Stina and Toby, thanks again for joining us on the Eurotrip. And from Callum, with Stina and Toby from Aftonbladet, we're now chatting to the other big contender on Saturday night, the other country that could potentially take home the Eurovision Song Contest tonight at the time you're listening, or who knows, it could be somebody else. I'm, of course, talking about Finland. I'm joined by Mila from Selra magazine. Yes. Mila, you are a journalist from Finland. You're here covering the contest. Mila, you must be pretty excited because, I'll be honest, we've just heard it. You've got the Swedes worried. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm excited. I, um, we, I, pro- I think we probably sh- would not be here, our magazine, even if it wasn't this uh, big success. Uh, with Finland this year, and um, well, your listener ca- listeners can't see me, but I have green shoes and I have a green tie, so I'm also personally excited. <laughs> so this is how I found you in the in the press center because we wanted to talk to somebody from Finland, and I saw your tie, and I was like, they seem like they're from Finland. So you talked about it there, the the national interest, the interest at home in Finland. Would you say it's bigger for Eurovision this year than it's been for a long time? Uh, bigger than ever, I think. It's like it's crazy in Finland now. People are knitting uh, green boleros. Everybody is talking about that. The, the social media is full of that. Um, we have companies. Uh, they are uh, making their logos look like uh, Carrier style and all that sort of thing. Like crazy. 
So what do you think the reaction will be? What do you think the atmosphere will be if Finland can do it? If Finland, especially if Finland can beat the favourite, can beat Sweden, would that make it that little bit more special? Like that would make it all like it. That's, that's, um, that's the cherry on the cake. Exactly. Um, we have never been this close to win uh, in advance, not even when Lordi won. But uh, but then that our our main contender is Sweden. Of course, Sweden is always good. But but we have this like uh, we call it Finkampen. We have this um, this sports event every year between Finland and Sweden. So this is this is uh, that that diverted to Eurovision. Yeah, it's all happening on the Eurovision stage this year. Absolutely. What have you made of the interest in Karia from the other countries since you've been here? All of the other journalists, people like me, must want to talk to you about the Finnish entry this year, which doesn't happen all the time. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's the it, it's probably the same like uh, when Lordi was because uh, he was so very I don't know exciting and different and different looking and now we have this performer who is very charismatic. And he has a very unique style when it comes to clothing and, and stuff. So uh, I think everything is uh, on spot with this. So you're here in Liverpool, of course, for Eurovision 2023. Eurovision 2024, Helsinki, Tampere, where would it be if, if Finland are to win the contest? Well, at least in Finland, it has been said that it would be Tampere. And actually, there was news this week that in Tampere, some hotels have already started to... Uh, to hold their rooms if we win so <laughs> it's taking very seriously this threat that we win <laughs> the race for eurovision 2023 is definitely hossing up which is ironic given you're both scandinavian countries but you know what i mean mila thank you so much for chatting and maybe we can catch up later on next week if if it happens if carrier takes on the trophy oh yes for sure <laughs> thanks so there we go then. We've got a perspective on Finland, on Sweden and France here on the Eurotrip today. We mentioned before we were hearing from Lazara and from Lorene and Toby and Mila and chatting France, Sweden and Finland uh, that we were in uh, Conchita's holiday home, one of the Booking.com booths here. And uh, Luke Black had left his jacket here. It's still here. Do you think he'd notice if we took it? I don't think, <laughs> I don't think it'll fit me, but uh, either of you two, I reckon, that could suit you. Are you suggesting a small piece of embezzlement here? Embezzlement? I don't think we should pay anybody. Was <laughs> that the incorrect word? I'm merely suggesting theft. <laughs> I'm just saying, was it last year or the year before, the Eurotrip sweepstake, where somebody, who was it who won a box of old Eurovision tat? I, all, all I'm saying is, next year's Eurotrip sweepstake, the winner gets Luke Black's jacket. That's not a bad idea, that. Yes, Miles in Cologne, if you're listening. <laughs> Did you ever get James's box of Eurovision nonsense? <laughs> anyway, shall we turn our attentions back to actual Eurovision instead of nonsense? Probably. Uh, let's look ahead to the interval act. Now, we have just been sitting through the very first dress rehearsal of the grand final on Friday afternoon for us. What a show you are in for, let me assure you. Don't worry, you are going to have a thoroughly enjoyable time in front of the TV on Saturday night. And Callum, we've just seen the interval act, the Liverpool Songbook. Yes, and what an interval act it is. We'd known a little bit about this already. We knew that we were going to have some past Eurovision artists returning to the Eurovision stage to perform some very famous songs from Liverpool. 
And Anu Cartmel was chatting about it a little bit earlier. He said that was one of the things he was really looking forward to. And Toby and Steena already gave us a little insight into what we can expect from Cornelia as part of the songbook as well. And one of the other past Eurovision artists, or should I say winners, taking part in that Liverpool songbook tonight is Israel's 2018 winner, Netta. She's going to be performing Dead or Lives track, You Spin Me Round, from... Oh, I put myself on the spot there. I was going to tell you what year it was from. I've got absolutely no idea. The panic in your eyes when you realised that you were going to have to try and remember the year. I don't know the year. Nor do I. Callum, have you remembered? I'm going to say 1985. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's like the one-second song, this. <laughs> so, not only have we had Eurovision winners Curtis Orchestra, but now we're going to chat to another Eurovision winner, Netta. Because, Callum, we had a lovely trip from our hotel the other day to Netta's hotel for a catch-up. Netta's Hotel, which was the hotel of a lot of this year's Eurovision artists, that was the place to be if you're a Eurovision fan looking for a photograph. And, thankfully, we did do this interview just after the weekly fire alarm test at that, <laughs> at that hotel. I did forget about that, actually, yeah. It, we were booked in for half past ten, and the fire alarm went off dead on half past ten. So, thankfully, we just missed that. But let's get to it, shall we? Let's find out what happened when we caught up with Netta to find out a little bit more about how all this came about. Welcome, Netta. Hi. It's great to have you here. How does it feel to be back in the world of Eurovision, back on the Eurovision stage, five years after your victory in Lisbon? Yes. It's a long time and not a long time. Uh, I, because my career started only five years ago, uh, then it's like not a long time for me. <laughs> Did you ever think when you were on the stage in Lisbon that you would get another chance to be on the Eurovision stage? Not this time as a, as a performer trying to win, but back here again to showcase you and showcase your talents. You know, this world is um, really, really, really uh, uh, has a way to surprise me every time. So when I was asked, will you do Eurovision again? I always said, no. <laughs> and, but then... Uh, but then uh, here we are and and there we go with Lorraine doing like the most amazing thing ever and I I I just don't know anymore you know I fell in love with the idea of Eurovision on the way on the go and it's kind of a part of me now I don't know things are changing so quickly and uh, and uh, here we are we just like you know we had a Eurovision event in Amsterdam and uh, and Lee, who is uh, one of uh, one of the big hats <laughs> in in the Eurovision uh, world, he he came to us and uh, and he made a, a proposal, <laughs> and I was uh, I was very quick to say yes, just because you know Eurovision is coming to Liverpool. Liverpool did such a noble thing, uh, taking uh, the host for this event, working with Ukraine with, with such friendship and loyalty and um, just being human I, I just I felt it's a great thing to be a part of take us back to that moment in Amsterdam when you mentioned Lee Lee Smithers who yeah. is the head of show this year came up to you and asked that question take us back to that moment and, and describe how it all came about well I was sitting on my on my chair doing my makeup and uh, Yuval Cohen, who is uh, advising the Eurovision artistically, he, he did with us the Eurovision in Israel, so we're good friends. 
And he introduced us to Lee, and Lee came into the room, and it was just like, you know, we're doing uh, this thing in Liverpool, and uh, <laughs> I'd really, really want you there. And I was like, what? <laughs> so you weren't expecting to be asked whatsoever then? No. It was just very casual. <laughs> and, and I was like, wait, and, uh, I, need to, I need to ask some people in just a second. It was very clear to me that this, uh, this, this should happen. I, I love what uh, Eurovision did this year with Ukraine. I can't, I can't emphasize that enough. So you're going to be as part of the Interval Act with five other iconic acts as part of the, the Liverpool Songbook. And you've had to choose a song to sing, not one of your own, but something different. Now, I know you can't tell me what it is right now because we're chatting uh, in the middle of the week. Yes. But talk us through the process of choosing it, trying to figure out which one you really wanted to showcase. Well, we talked about, obviously, the Beatles. It was very difficult for me to touch a Beatles song uh, because it's so great as it is. Uh, and I, I don't mean that other songs aren't great as it is, but it's just scarier to me to touch, uh, to touch something else. Um, but uh, we chose something that, uh, that it was so fun to redo. And it was so fun to uh, to just bring in uh, my color and my style inside of it. I think it's it's so whole and 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 I love it so much that I'm releasing it the day after it after that to Spotify. So this is going to be available for everybody uh, on all platforms. So you must love it then. I love it. Is anybody going to be able to guess what it is? Or is it going to be such a surprise that no one's going to have any idea until you sing it for the first time? Um, <laughs> is it very well, netta? Well, it's very netta. <laughs> but I, I don't know. The outfit of what we're doing took four months to create because we are creating it with... Uh, it's an Israeli team working with an English team. It's a designer from, uh, from the UK. Uh, and he is so talented and he has done so many amazing artists like imagine me name dropping after name dropping after <laughs> name dropping and uh, he's uh, about 12 personnel uh, have worked just on the garment this is going to be a huge moment then isn't it I hope so <laughs> I hope it will transcend as a huge moment like we created it now, Neto, I must ask you about the competition this year. Have you seen uh, some of the songs on stage yet? Have you heard any of them? Have you got some favourites? Are you allowed to tell us? Obviously, Noah from Israel is incredible, but I'm, I'm biased. <laughs> very, very biased. I think Finland has a thing going on. Something about that green man <laughs> is really, really working on me. Cha-cha boy. <laughs> and... Um, I re Lorraine is just doing something that is so her. She's creating an intimate space with 200 million people. And I really want her to have that moment. So it's either Sweden or Finland for you. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. Or Israel? Well, no. don't get me in trouble with anyone. No, okay? I'm not going to get you in trouble with anyone. I think, but really, really, I think that Eurovision isn't about winners. What we see right now is a lot of winners. Netta, thank you so much for joining us and have an amazing time on Saturday. Thanks. <laughs> You're listening to The Eurotrip, live from Liverpool. When you aren't listening, find us on social media. 
at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. This is the Eurotrip Podcast, and with every minute that you listen, we are getting ever closer to the grand final of Eurovision 2023. Please do get in touch with us as well. If you've been listening for the course of this week, if you've been listening every single day to what we've been up to here in Liverpool, get in touch at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We're also online, EurotripPodcast.com for our exclusive stories. We're on TikTok as well. And we should say there have been loads of exclusive stories for you to check out online. So please do go and do that. Callum, it feels weird that we are almost at an end in our final podcast from Liverpool. What a ride it's been. I know you're telling me that. And I know as we're recording this, we're right at the end of the week but I simply don't believe it. I think this week has been the fastest week of my life. It has been the busiest week of our lives. And the whole thing has been an absolute blur. A blur, but a joy. But I would love some sleep at some point. Yeah, I don't think we've got one night of eight hours sleep or seven hours sleep, six or even five hours sleep a night. Would you agree? Yeah, last night was about three, and that was all down to a very bizarre Jedward set in Euro Club, but we probably don't have time to talk about that. Anyway, there is one man that we like to turn to when it comes to the Eurovision Song Contest Grand Final to get his thoughts on everything that we're going to see on our TV screens. He joined us to preview all the action exactly a year ago, and he is right there. Scott, do you want to introduce yourself? No one's ever done this before. Sure. Do you want to introduce yourself on the podcast? on the way to the toilet. Um, Hi, I'm Scott Bryan. I can't say my name now. Great start. I'm Scott Bryan. I'm a TV critic and broadcaster. And this is what you said earlier? And what did I say earlier? I don't know. We'll find out now. Great. (laughs) Yes, Rob, I've managed to catch up with somebody we've not spoken to on the podcast for exactly a year. Because, Scott Bryan, the last time we spoke to you was on the eve of the 2022 contest. Yes, and then who would have thought... A year later, this is where we would be. I mean, even Graham Norton said on the night when Ukraine won and the UK came runner-up, he said, oh, it looked a little bit, you know, um, worrying there for a moment. We're going to have to host. And a year later, we are anyway. So it's um, a delight to see you and a delight to see our slow deterioration of our energy levels as we are severely sleep deprived. Indeed, yeah. I'm running on an hour's sleep and I'm going to hit a wall at some point. So we should try and keep this brief in case the wall crash hits. No, I want to hear it audibly. <laughs> uh, Scott, you got here earlier in the week. Uh, is this your first Eurovision in the press centre? Give us an idea about what it's been like for you, first of all. It's been a delight. I mean, this is my first Eurovision, but I have been following it for years and reporting on it weirdly but bizarrely at home because it's such a big tv event it doesn't get any bigger than eurovision but it's a thing that i've loved to carry at home because you are able to see it from everyone else's perspective and i find that sometimes if you're here even though it's amazing you can get kind of lost in the rat race and you can be in the arena which is amazing but it means that you could don't get to see every moment that everyone's talking about um, so being here actually with in the press centre means that you actually get the TVs next to you and that's what the viewers see at home. Then I'm able to get what everyone sees on iPlayer about a minute later. So it means that if something happens on Saturday night when I'm reporting on it, then I'll be able to kind of get the best of both worlds, like mostly chase press officers and be like, what just happened during Croatia's performance? That wasn't planned. So, um, you know, just sort of see, just sort of see how it all comes together, really. It's very exciting. And then like as, as, as a geek, as a TV geek, it doesn't get any bigger. Just seeing the scale of the arena and just seeing the, the massive cameras, the changeovers between all of the acts in real time, 
and just seeing the bits getting put together. Like the, the rehearsals right now where we're seeing Graham Norton interview people who are going to be there on the night, but for at the moment, it's just a random woman called Jan <laughs> who's pretending to be these stars. And the best bit about it, Graham's not breaking character. You don't get to see that at home. This should be a TV show in itself, shouldn't it? To see behind the scenes, to see how it all comes together. That would be a great TV show in no, itself. But then what will happen is you'll make a podcast about the making of the behind the scenes <laughs> that will require about a podcast about the actual show itself. And how meta be, would that be? It'll be even more <laughs> sleep deprivation than what it already is causing you and I don't want to see that let's chat about what we're going to see in the show on Saturday night first of all what's catching your eye from a TV perspective I think what's really interesting is seeing the buzz of artists build up throughout the week but then also having to take a step back and go okay what are the audience really going to warm to seeing it for the first time and it's really made me understand the value of the order because I feel that a lot of viewers, I mean, you would know this more than I do, will come in in a huge way, maybe halfway through. Having the tenacity to watch 26 performers, if you're a casual viewer, I think takes a bit of stamina. So, for example, I was you know, thinking almost um, way before this, Austria's got this in the bag. It's a belter of a, of a song. It's catchy, but it's also got a great message behind it. Because it's going, coming out, out first, I'm then going, they have to really do something special to, to go and get it there. Because a lot of people might not be watching exactly. at 8 o'clock. Oh, right, exactly, at 8 o'clock, but also after the end of the 26 songs, they might not remember the first. It's also maybe realised the value of how important your performance has to be, not just in terms of the vocals, but just the staging. I think just during the week, seeing the rehearsals <laughs> over and over and over and over again. If I'm seeing their song and I'm not finding it distinctive and I don't know who they are the fifth time I'm watching it, that I know that it's not going to have a hope in the actual overall standings because I'm immersed in this and I don't really know what's going on. But there's some performers like, you know, Finland, like Loreen from Sweden. The moment they come out is so distinctive. I think those are the moments which um, I think will resonate with, with viewers too. Um, and, and, and it's also, I feel like, just the just a sense of how smooth the production's been. I feel like the BBC's efforts have been absolutely sublime, completely faultless so far. I'm jinxing it to hell. <laughs> but, it, but it's just been um, so engaging. They've, they've really, I think, given you a vision of respect that it deserves, whilst also still poking a little bit of fun, such as the fever dream that was Percy Pig last night, <laughs> such as having Scooch on for two seconds obviously when most of Europe is watching adverts from when those bits were on but I mean I like the fact that it's still playing a bit of fun while it's also giving it the attention that it deserves as a serious music competition earlier on on the podcast we were chatting to Andrew Cartmel who's the executive producer and he was giving us an idea of just how big of a project this has been for the BBC and this time of year not only have the BBC had Eurovision, they've had the coronation, yeah. they've had the elections as well recently. This is a huge time for the BBC, isn't it? It's very easy to me going into superlatives, so let's just do it. I do yeah. think that this is one of the most important broadcasts the BBC is doing this decade and maybe for a few decades. Um, not just in terms of the range of what it's had to do in the last week by covering the coronation, 
but just also the expectation that if you are having an audience of 150, 160 million at least, they are expecting there not to be any hiccups when it comes from the BBC. And I think it's also the fact that at a time when the BBC's future has been called into question, changing viewing habits, you know, massively affecting how many hours worth of BBC content we watch each week because we're on TikTok, we're on social media. I think this gives the BBC an opportunity to go, you know, let's, let's show off our wares, let's give an opportunity um, in actually trying to um, you know, show to particularly younger viewers what we're about and what our shows are because this is one of the most popular shows for younger viewers for the BBC for the whole year. The viewing figures on Sunday are going to be fascinating. <laughs> they really is. They really are. Are we seeing sort of the, the importance of the BBC and the professionalism of the BBC over the last week? Oh, no, 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 totally. And I think it's also like the fact that they've really... I mean, this is an expensive production for the BBC as well. I mean, it's it's... I think... Not the full cost, but certainly nearly the cost of um, BBC Four for the entire year, just to put on one event for one for one show. And of course, they have received outside funding. But I feel that um, if you go to the studios, you can see how much money they've spent on the camera, on the lighting. I think the most amazing thing is how they've managed to between each song, the lights dim, and it's a really fast flash. And then that's what you see for the lights for each country come on and it's just just those touches when you're in that arena hey you've been in that arena i have yeah it's on a monday night it's a buzz isn't it it's it really is other room i've ever been in for a studio before because it's all of the small touches so from a television point of view then come on we've got to chat about the ones that are standing out the ones that look good the ones that sound good which then leads me into who are your picks who are your favorites i mean it's so it's so interesting because all week hasn't it it's been chat between lorreen and caria and I feel that every time I go to myself, oh, it is Finland, see you in Helsinki, then chat goes back to Lorene. <laughs> but one thing I've learned over this experience is from speaking to some people who've done this for many years, me being this my first year, some people say to me, you've got to get out of the bubble a little bit because you can get swept up into following a particular act and paying a lot of attention. But actually, the public who actually vote might be completely different. And very quickly, to wrap up, Scott, where will you be on Saturday night? How can people follow your coverage? Because I'm sure you'll be a busy man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm in... Uh, yeah, so on the night, I'm going to be in the press centre. Then I'll be live tweeting um, that will get increasingly full of more um, uh, spelling errors. Um, <laughs> over the course of the evening, that's my next phone call. Um, at... Um, yeah, at Scotty GB, and I'll also be writing for the New York Times on the New York Times website, and I've now got to go. Brilliant, thank you so much, Scott. So lovely to speak to you. See you later. And the music's playing, so that means we need to be brief, we need to say goodbye, and we need to say thank you to not only all of the guests that have joined us over the course of the last few days, but of course to you for listening to us every single day of Eurovision Week here in Liverpool. Yeah, thank you so much. What a ride it's been. Thankfully, we have gotten to the end of the week instead of Turin when we kind of just got a few days in, which has been a joy. So it's been great to bring you daily episodes live from the heart of Liverpool, live from the heart of Eurovision to really get you closer. And uh, by the looks of things, by the sounds of things, I think we've really done that. I think we can say for sure that we have done our jobs this week here at Eurovision. Callum, thank you for joining us for the week. It's been my pleasure to share this week with you two. I wouldn't have wanted to spend it in any other way. And I really hope everybody listening has enjoyed it as much as we have and that you all have as much fun watching the grand final tonight as we're going to. 
as we're going to in the Eurovision Village. So if you do see us, then feel free to give us a wave and come over and say hello. James, we have a shout out to do. Indeed we do. Madeline, you sent us an email earlier in the week. You asked for this. We're going to deliver... Hello, Madeline's party. This is the Eurotrip calling. And if you want it again, hello, Madeline's party. This is still the Eurotrip calling. <laughs> Hope you have a lovely time. Thank you so much for listening throughout this week, throughout the last few weeks and months, however long you've been listening to us here on the Eurotrip. It's been a pleasure to bring you all of this coverage. And we will be back on Wednesday. Oh few days off that's nice we'll be back on wednesday reacting to everything that happens in the eurovision grand final yes we will in the meantime don't forget you can keep in touch with us online we are at eurotrip podcast on twitter instagram and tiktok hello at eurotrippodcast.com on the email and you can read all of our exclusive stories on eurotrippodcast.com from me james it's goodbye and happy eurovision from him callum it's goodbye and happy eurovision and from me rob it's goodbye And happy Eurovision! I hope you all enjoy the Eurovision Grand Final of 2023. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.